Well, thanks, guys. And uh, I don't know what those quotations were all about, Michelle. So, Ron, come on. Last year, I pushed a double stroller with flat tires uh, and two kids in it. So, come on, come on, come on. Just my my eating habits aside. Um, (laughs) um, Actually, I do have one more announcement to kind of quickly throw in is that uh, starting next week, um, this is the third year now, that um, all of the, the local area churches have partnered up with the school system to do uh, Coats for Kids Drive. And they wanted to do it quite a bit earlier this week. And I know um, temperatures in the 80s make us think like, what? Coats? Um, but yes, because I think they wanted to get in front of it a little bit more this year than they have in previous years. And so the next two weeks, um, if you can remember this, maybe I'll even try to remember to send a, a church-wide email. And so, by the way, if you don't get church-wide emails and you'd like to, um, just let me know. I'll make sure to put you on a list. Um, and, and that's just a, we don't send emails often, but just when we need to communicate bigger things like meeting at 9 a.m. next week. Um, but so uh, when we communicate things like that, anyways, um, so next two weeks we're going to be connect- collecting some of coats and winter gear for kids. And, and that's, that's an awesome opportunity in our area because there, it's hard to believe just how many families in our community actually do live kind of at or below that poverty level. Um, the last couple of years I've actually had the chance to just be at that event when some of the families are coming um, to receive coats. And, and it's just this, it's an amazing, awesome thing. And they all, they all get used. And, and what doesn't get picked up at the, the event or distributed by the counselors directly um, goes right back into just um, one of our local area um, places that, that gives out, uh, I'm trying to remember which one it is, um, I don't know if gingerbread house, but something local that makes sure that families in need get those. And so it's a pretty awesome thing. So that's my last announcement. Um, well, actually, my last official announcement. Uh, one of my um, other announcements that I want to say is, um, so last week, one of, one of our church family, um, Barbara Payne, ended up having a stroke after out of the gathering. And um, so it was... Um, it was during a meeting, and, and thankfully there were a number of people who have some great expertise uh, and also the, the wisdom just to make sure we called 911 and, and got her down to the hospital. And so she got the medication she needed and was progressing right away, uh, which was great news. And so um, she got stable right away, and so now she's just going through therapy and, and all the different types of therapy that are involved. And so she is down at, uh, they've moved her now to Community Hospital in Menominee Falls. And so, um, you know, feel free to give Michael a call or ask me if you're wanting to do that, get his number, um, because I think Barbara is definitely up for receiving visitors. Um, And so she's just kind of taking this slow, and I think as time goes on, they'll know just how long all of her treatment will be for the therapy. And so we can definitely um, continue to pray for her. Um, I know one of the big needs is just sleep. She um, doesn't sleep well to begin with, and sleeping in a hospital bed with all the little monkey business attached to you um, doesn't help either. So um, we can just continue to pray for her and for Michael just for peace and that continued recovery. And I actually thought, let's just take a moment right now before we launch into things. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, just like Adam said, um, for this family. Uh, that more and more, Father, uh, you are, are drawing this community of Christ together, uh, whether it's through our small groups or, or through our fellowship or through uh, our, our teams that we serve on or, or just our growing heart uh, for our community. And I know Michael and Barbara um, are just integral um, members uh, of this family. 
Um, they're, they're awesome leaders in this family. And so, Father, I just continue and, um, to lift up Barbara to you. And I ask that you would bring healing to um, just all the areas affected in her brain. Um, that you would just uh, be able to have recovery for her, patience through all of the different type of therapies that she has to go through. Um, that you give Michael peace. That you would just um, let his heart um, just uh, be moved more and more towards Jesus Christ to love and to serve his wife. Uh, and, to, and to do it in such a way that it's, it's worship unto you. Um, and so, Father, we just ask for um, awesome miracles to continue in their family, and we're thankful for them. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if, if we have not met, my name is Dan Kelm, and I'm the site pastor for our, our Kettlebrook Kiwaskum location. And, um, and if you haven't stuck around yet after the gathering, we always have coffee and treats, and it's an awesome time just to hang out and get to know one another better and um, just kind of share what's going on in our week. And, and we've been doing a series that we are now finishing up. Today's the last day called... Don't go to church. I like, I like the series quite a bit. Um, because we don't go to church. We are the church. And so what we've looked at, what we've talked about so far, is, uh, is what, and recognizing this understanding, understanding that church isn't a place we go or a building. It's something we are. We, we talked about how we don't just do worship on Sunday mornings, but how we are worshipers in all of life. And uh, we talked about how we don't just send missionaries we are missionaries sent ones and we're called to the mission field that's all around us and and today to kind of conclude this series of don't go to church i think uh, we need to debunk one more fallacy that exists and to do this i actually want to do a little bit of an exercise with you guys so i i want you to think about three things right i want you to think about a flag i want you to think about a football team and i want you to think about a priest Okay, got that? Flag, football team, and priest. All right, so I want to see if I can do a, a little bit of mind reading. And so I don't know if you guys remember when uh, Johnny Carson used to do that Karnak the Magnificent thing, right? We've got, we got a picture here. There you go. So it's this little shtick. He would uh, you know, put the envelope to his head, and he would, he would try to um, magically guess something. So I want to see if I can do a little bit of mind reading here uh, with you guys. And I had to think about those three things, and I want to see if I can try to guess them. All right, ready? So um, let's see. If, so, so you know, raise your hand if for a flag... You guessed this. I would have got. All right, all right. I'm doing pretty good. All right. And then, um, so for a football team, who guessed this? Okay, okay. All right, all right. Last one. I'm doing. I'm doing well. So, for a priest, who guessed something like this? Oh, oh okay. Did anybody? Did I make anybody three for three? Okay, okay. <laughs> Well, you know, obviously I didn't read anybody's mind. Uh, I, I just chose some questions that had fairly obvious answers. Uh, the American flag has been in the news quite a bit lately. And, and of course, we had an awesome victory against the Bears on Thursday night. Uh, and then there's not too many other, you know, things to think about when you think about a priest, right? Well, maybe. Well, so, so the other night we were having a uh, family movie night over, uh, just at, at our house, and, um, and we watched Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> Did you guys ever see Kung Fu Panda? Great movie, right? And so at, at the height of the movie, Poe the Panda is given the dragon scroll to receive the powers of the dragon warrior, and he looks in it, and what does he see? Nothing. <laughs> just 
his own reflection. And of course, at the at the end of the movie, uh, he comes to realize really that's that's the whole point, uh, just seeing himself. And you know, but what I think would have been really truly amazing is if when I asked you guys to think about a priest, uh, it, it, instead of thinking about a guy with a funny collar, instead you would have seen yourself. That when you thought about what a priest looks like, you pictured yourself. And then the last fallacy that we want to address in our Don't Go to Church series is that we aren't served by priests. We are priests called to serve our community. So here we go. We aren't served by priests. We are priests called to serve our community. And, but don't just take my word for it. Let's, let's see what Scripture has to say. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, please pull that out uh, and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at, uh, so 1 Peter chapter 2, we'll be looking at verses 4 and 5 and 9 and 10. And that is on page 857 of the Red Bibles. And so if you want one to use, wave at one of the two Scots. They'd love to bring one up to you. So 1 Peter chapter 2, looking at verses 4 and 5 and 9 and 10. All right, and this is talking about Jesus. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then jumping down now to verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Well, there's, a lot, there's a lot going on here. And, and one of the things that I think is helpful is, is when we break down the passage and, and we look at it this way. So, Stephanie, you throw that up for me. So, we first want to look at who God is and then what God does after that, who, who are we, and then what we do. And, then it, and it always goes in that direction because we find our identity and our doing out of God's identity and what he's done. And, and so for who God is, in this text, we see God in the person of Jesus, the Son. Uh, that he's the one who was rejected by men, but chosen by God, and he's the living stone. And the verses that we, we skipped over there um, talked about how he's the cornerstone and the capstone. And essentially that's saying that he is the foundation and the completion of our faith. And he's the giver of mercy. And then for what he does, in this text we see that Jesus leads us to the Father. And that he's called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And then, so who are we? Well, the text actually says that we are a lot of things. Uh, in Jesus, we're God's chosen people. Whereas before uh, faith in Christ, we didn't belong to God. In Christ, we now belong. 
And then like Jesus, the living stone, we too are living stones that are being built into a spiritual house. And that is the church. And because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, we are now the recipients of God's mercy. And most importantly, and the text says it twice, we are a holy and royal priesthood. And then lastly, what we do. The text only has two direct commands. That we, as God's priests, would offer spiritual sacrifices and that as priests, we would declare the praises of Jesus. See, we aren't served by priests. We are priests called to serve our community. And the Apostle Peter, who, who's writing this letter, um, he's, he was writing it to the scattered Jewish Christ followers in the first century. And so the original readers of this text, when, when they would have pictured a priest, they wouldn't have uh, pictured this guy here. You know, they, they, they probably rather would have pictured something more like this. Right? A Jewish priest. Uh, someone who performed the religious temple duties, who helped uh, perform sacrifices, who acted as an intermediary between the common people and God. And, and Peter is saying, we now are the priests, God's priests, royal because of our relationship to King Jesus and holy because of Jesus' mercy and our obedience to his calling. Not priests that, that wear robes uh, or make animal sacrifices or are, are needed as intermediaries between people and God. But let's look again at what did the text say that we're supposed to do as priests. Offer spiritual sacrifices and declare the praises of Jesus. This is the kind of priest that we're called to be as we are called to the people around us in our community. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, we, we looked at Romans 12. 1 through 2, uh, which talks about offering our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, and that this is our spiritual act of worship. And as priests in God's royal and holy priesthood, we offer spiritual sacrifices by living sacrificially, by treating all of life as an opportunity to worship God, daily laying aside our own desires uh, to follow Jesus, putting our energy and resources at his disposal, trusting in his leading. And we offer our time, our talents, our treasures for God's kingdom. We look to the interest of others before ourselves. We love others the way Jesus loved us, sacrificially. We pray for others the way that Jesus prayed for us, sacrificially. And we serve others the way that Jesus served us, sacrificially. See, as priests, as God's kingdom, we offer spiritual sacrifices. And as priests, we also declare the praises of Jesus. And so we declare the praise of the one who leads people out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We declare the praise of the one who invites the rejected and the outsider into his family. And we praise the one, we declare the praise of the one who offers mercy, love, and belonging. And that means that, that Jesus is the hero of our stories. Jesus is the one who gets the glory. Jesus is the one we talk about and praise. We lift him up. We speak his name 
And wherever we go, we shine his light, his truth, and his gospel into the darkness. So I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about darkness, and that got me thinking, I was wondering who saw the eclipse? Or better yet, hold on a second, who didn't see the eclipse? Maybe show of hands. Okay, okay, and do you guys feel like you missed anything? I'm seeing a little, maybe, yeah. Mostly no. Um, so, you know, there's supposed to be another eclipse in a couple of years or so. So for those of you guys who missed it, do you, you know, do you think you're going to try to make the couple-hour drive south to see it? Eh, yeah. Okay, so now, so who saw the partial eclipse? Okay. Anybody see the full one here? Okay. So how would you describe what you saw for the partial eclipse? Who saw Greg, any thoughts? Pretty cool. Anybody else? I saw a couple hands. Don't be so bashful. So shadows go away. That's kind of neat. <laughs> cool. I, one of the things. Now, well, here's a question. So, would you guys maybe consider driving, maybe a couple hours south to see the whole thing? I hear yes. <laughs> maybe. Well, a couple of weeks after the eclipse, I was I was talking to a couple from our Kettlebrook community. And, um, and they did the couple, I think it was a four-plus-hour drive south to see the full total eclipse. And they, were like, they just were like, I, I think it would be fun. Uh, what was interesting is they said they had no idea how amazing it would be. Uh, they, they just kept talking about like, how the, the sun's like, corona radiated and beamed beyond the shadow of the moon. And it was just this incredible thing. It just seemed like time stopped and they kept going and they were, they were just talking about this amazing thing they had seen and how in a couple of years they're actually going to make the even further drive south. I think you have to go all the way to Nashville now to see the full solar eclipse when the next one comes. And they kept gushing about what they had seen, how amazing it was. I'm like that with food. <laughs> you know, you've heard me before with Doritos. I don't know if many of you heard me go off about Nutella. Uh, there's a ribeye in, at the Farmstead restaurant in Cedarburg. If I can get like that with food, and, and this couple can get like that with, with talking about the eclipse. They get that excited. How much more should we gush about the glory and majesty and wonder of Jesus Christ? Right? If we have truly seen and experienced him for who he is and what he has done. That, that we would literally sing his praises wherever we go. That tell of his greatness and the good news of his kingdom, of the gospel to everyone we know. That we would sacrificially go to our knees regularly, interceding in prayer on behalf of those who don't know the greatness and love and mercy of our God. That we would sacrifice the rhythms of our lives and make time and space to reach those who have not experienced what we have in Jesus Christ. Especially for those that God has put in our lives, in our circles, in our, in our workplaces, in the community around us. Declaring the praises of Jesus and offering spiritual sacrifices, knowing that we aren't served by priests, but that we are priests called to serve our community. And the Apostle Peter, who wrote these words 
lived this out. Before writing uh, this letter, and, and shortly after Jesus left, and, and, and shortly after the Holy Spirit uh, came down, the disciples um, got together and, and they started just doing all sorts of crazy stuff after the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they started living out being the kind of priests that we're called to be. And, and this is what it says in, in Acts chapter 2. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. And then in Mark's gospel, which is the gospel that Mark learned from Peter, Jesus is accredited with saying this uh, at the end of Mark chapter 16. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And they, when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Now, most scholars actually don't believe uh, that that phrase was originally in the Gospel of Mark, but that it was added as an addendum because the disciples started doing all these amazing things. And the early disciples were like, gosh, we need to warn people that if they start to follow Jesus, that if they start to recognize that we're priests in God's kingdom and living sacrificially and, and offering our praises to Jesus, crazy stuff is going to happen. Like stuff you need to experience to believe. And when I was younger, actually, I had a, a handful of experiences uh, with a missions organization called YWAM. And um, just some, I had a lot of those kind of experiences, really, that, that fall into that category of, of stuff that you need to experience to believe. Uh, we, we saw people prayed for, for healing and healing happening right there. Uh, there were times where we were praying for God to, to give us direction, where we should go, who we should minister to, and God leading us to the exact people in that moment that were desperately hungry, in need for him, and broken. And then there was one particular time um, when I was uh, 18. I was on my fourth mission trip to Mexico, uh, and I was part of a, a small group of alumni, and we kind of split off from the, the main group of our mission trip. And, um, and I remember we were, we were ministering and sharing the gospel to some people that lived and worked in the local dump. And we've got, I've got some pictures actually here that I scanned in. And if you've ever been in like the city, like on a hot July day and you come across like a trash bin that's got like rotting food in it, you know that smell? M multiply that exponentially. And that's, that's, that's about, the right, about the right smell. And that's where people lived and they worked. And, and while we were there, we met a lady um, who asked if we could come to her house and pray for her sick son. And we said, yeah, and sure. And so we kind of finished up what we were doing there. And our group headed over to her house. 
what we didn't expect was that her son was a grown man and that he wasn't just sick. Uh, when we got there, um, her son was uh, laying on a bed, uh, tied down with his arms, tied back against the wall, with his feet tied down underneath the bed, and he was thrashing and screaming and, and foaming at the mouth. And when we walked in, um, you could feel a spiritual presence. Uh, to us, it was clear that this, is, this was someone who was demon-possessed. And I remember we, um, we kind of prayed quickly, and then the, the leaders uh, made the decision to say, hey, maybe the four or five of us students needed to be just not in that room. It was a little intense. Um, and, and so um, I just remember feeling like, gosh, I, just, I feel like God's calling me to be in that room um, to be praying for him. But I just kind of submitted to the leadership there, and I just kept praying outside. And then a, a little bit later, one of the leaders came back and just said, hey, Dan, um, do you want to be in here? And, and so I, I came in, and I just remember um, this, this, this crazy moment, ridiculous, amazing things happening, uh, speaking Spanish at, at a level and ability that I never had before, um, speaking things directly to this, this demon or demons that were in this man, uh, and saying just numerous times, and el nombre de Dios... In the name of Jesus. <laughs> and, and just calling these demons to, to come out. And, and then numerous times the man would collapse. He would just kind of fall back. And then this would just kind of happen. Uh, and it, for, it went on for about a little bit more than an hour. And then um, he seemed to calm down. And, and when he left, he was resting peacefully. And we found out... Uh, a couple of days later from the local pastor that he said that the next morning for, for the first time in 10 years, they were able to untie him and that he had breakfast at the kitchen table. And I was just 18. <laughs> I, I wasn't trained for any of that. I, I, I barely knew the Bible. I had just started following the Lord. But... I was living out my role as a priest in God's kingdom. And, and you might be thinking, I don't know if I can do that. But again, you, you might be thinking about the wrong kind of priest. You might, might be caught up, again, on this guy here. <laughs> but instead, God wants you to be holding up a mirror. Don't get caught up on the pre, the wrong thing, the preconceived idea, a title of what it means to be a priest. And the wrong idea of a priesthood. And don't get caught up on thinking, well, Dan, you know, you were, you were being called to become a pastor one day, so that's why God would use you like that. My role as a pastor is not to act as a priest in, in that sense of the guy with a collar, but in this sense. And each one of us is called to be priests of God and his kingdom in this sense. And my role is to mobilize you as God's priests in his kingdom. 
And in fact, in Kettlebrook, one of the things that we try to do regularly is to unpriest things in the false sense of that word. Uh, and we, we continually try to move toward promoting the priesthood of all believers. And so whether that's baby dedication done by the parents, or whether that's baptism that's done by the person who is closest to the one who's being discipled, who was, or had been discipling that individual who's being baptized, uh, whether that's doing communion in our small groups or in our homes, um, having regular folks in our congregation come in the summer and do guest preaching spots for us, uh, or having small groups being the one that leads the charge on doing hospital visitation or caring for the sick, uh, or, or creating meal-sharing plans. We aren't served by priests. We are priests called to serve our community. And, and when we serve our community as priests in God's kingdom, offering spiritual sacrifices and declaring the name of Jesus, crazy awesome things are going to happen. How did Peter know? Well, because he had been with Jesus. And when we come to know the amazing grace and love and power of Jesus, awesome things, sacrificially done in the name of Jesus, will be the natural result of our lives. And to finish up, I think there's, there's actually three kind of things that we can quickly focus on uh, when we realize that we aren't served by priests, but that we are priests called to serve our community and this is what we can do. We can pray. If you can throw those up, Steph. We can pray. We can be available. And we can be Jesus' representatives. Pray, be available, and be Jesus' representatives. Pray that God would increase your passion for Jesus. Pray that he would increase your passion for the gospel. That he would increase your heart for your neighbors and for your coworkers uh, and, and for the lost and the broken in our greater Kewaskum community. And to pray that, that, pray that God would blow away your expectations of who he is and what he can do through you. And pray regularly for people by name. Intercede on their behalf that they would come to know the saving power of Jesus. And we can be available. Be available. Live open-handedly. Live with an open schedule. Live sacrificially with your time and with your stuff. Be ready and always willing to drop the things that don't matter for the things that do matter. Be willing to know the difference between that which is earthly and that which is eternal. Be available. And live with open eyes to see and to serve. Whether that's your hurting neighbor or the widow next door, uh, the broken in your workplace, the, the person in jail, the ne- neglected kids that are in the Boys and Girls Club. Be willing to open up your home whether that's to the homeless or whether opening up your home to, to the kids in the foster system, the orphans essentially in the foster system, or to open your dinner table to your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus. Like in Isaiah, when God says, who will go? Who will I send? 
be available that you could say, here am I. Send me. Not, I'm sorry, I don't have time. Here am I. Send me. And lastly, be Jesus' representatives. Our priesthood is not about a collar. It's not about robes, and it's not about right phrases or sayings. It's not even about perfect doctrine. It's about lifting high the name of Jesus. Praising him and declaring him wherever we go. Not being ashamed of the gospel, which gives us life. It's about living sacrificially and living in such a way that we represent Jesus to a lost and broken world. Well, this week, uh, actually one of my favorite children's books was in the news uh, for a funny reason. Uh, but it's by Dr. Seuss. And it's called, Oh, the Places You'll Go. And it's one of my favorite books to, uh, to read to my daughter, Aria. But I also feel like it's the same message that our Heavenly Father speaks over us. When we embrace our role as priests in his kingdom, oh, the places you'll go. And as God sends you out across the street and across the world, oh, the things you'll do. In the name of Jesus. Because, remember, this this is what a priest looks like. And this is what the church looks like. So please, stop going to church. Don't go to church. We don't go to church. We are the church. So let's be the church. Right? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much. Gosh, I thank you so much for so many things. I thank you for Peter. Uh, I thank you for his boldness as he followed you. I thank you for the way he lived his life. I thank you for the things that he wrote through your Holy Spirit for us. Father, if um, ever there was a person, uh, maybe that could have demonstrated how we can blow it, (laughs) um, and not be perfect, yet still be an amazing representative for Jesus Christ. It was Peter. Um, and, and I thank you for him. And I, I thank you that how he lived, uh, when we look to his life, we can see how we can also live um, as bold representatives for Jesus Christ, um, living lives that are uh, offer spiritual, offering spiritual sacrifices and living lives that declare the praise of Jesus living lives as priests in your kingdom. And Father, I really do pray that you would help each of us um, wrestle with what that means, knowing that that's the identity that you called us. And it's not one that we could say, ah, I'll do that, or oh, no, I won't, or that's for some people, that's not for me. That's what you called us in Scripture. You call us priests, holy and royal, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. And so, Father, I ask that as we look to Jesus, that we'd see our identity in him and our identity as his priests called to this world, called to serve this community. And we pray specifically for our greater Kiwaskam area. Father, all the communities that, that come to Kiwaskam as, as the hub of this northern Kettle Moraine area. Father, all the, the different communities that you've placed us in, the different subdivisions, the different roads, the different neighbors. 
the different workplaces. Father, I ask that you would increase our hearts, increase our passion for Jesus and for the gospel and for the lost. That we recognize our role and that we would seek to serve and love and bless those who don't know you so that they can one day know you. And we know it's not by our power, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you begin that work. You begin softening hearts. You begin drawing men and women and children to you. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.